This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Well, I need to get into the Word. I look at the clock here, and I do believe I've got a Word that you need to hear, so let's get into it. I want you to open up to Acts chapter 4. Acts 4. And you know, Acts 4 follows right after Acts chapter 3. You're aware of that, right? That's right, we're going deep in a hurry. Can you keep up? See, but Acts 3 tells us about the lame man who was healed at the, at the temple gate called Beautiful. You know the story. He was supernaturally healed and raised up. Then the religious leaders got upset about it. Had Peter and John arrested, beaten, threatened. I mean, you'll really find out how strong you believe in healing if you're arrested and beaten for it, right? Are you going to continue to teach healing and preach healing if, if you go to jail for it? Get beaten for it? See, we enjoy a lot of freedom because others have endured persecution ahead of us. You're aware of that, right? I mean, the Pentecostal pioneers of the early 1900s, they were threatened. They had stuff thrown at them. They, some of them were beaten just for preaching Acts 2-4, just for preaching that it was God's will for every believer to speak in other tongues. In the dark ages, I mean, many people were executed, burned at the stake just because they believed that every believer should have a Bible in, in their own language and be able to read it. So we should be thankful for the sacrifices of those that have gone before us. And we should be willing to make sacrifices in our generation so that the kingdom of God will go further. So here in Acts 4, Acts 4, when they threatened them and told them not to teach or preach in the name of Jesus anymore... You know, they didn't turn and run. Praise God. They got with their own company of believers. And what did they do? Well, they prayed and asked for boldness to preach Jesus even stronger. And the Holy Spirit shook that place. And let's pick it up from there. Acts 4, we're going to read verses 32 and 33. Now, when the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul, neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own, But they had all things in common, and with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. I want you to say that last part after me. Say, great grace was upon them all. Now, we don't use that word upon so much anymore, and it's really just the joining of up and on, but we would just say, great grace was on them. I mean, something was on them, something more than just them. And if you read Acts chapters 3, 4, and 5 together, you'll see the church was having miracles and healings and people were being born again on a daily basis. Something was on them and not just on the apostles or a handful of spiritual people. Great grace was on who? On them all. On all the believers. There was something on them called grace. And if you study the scriptures, you'll find that the words grace and favor are often coming from the same Greek word. It's not every time. There are a few other Greek words. But most of the time, the majority of the time, it's the same Greek word that's translated grace and favor. So you could say it this way. Great grace and great favor was upon them all. Well, grace and favor, what exactly is that? You know, we kind of need to have a handle on that. Well, one of the Greek words that's often uh, used literally means to bend down, to stoop down, to reach down in kindness. And it's like a superior reaching down to an inferior. 
which is really the picture of God and us. I mean, he, the superior, God's greater, right? (laughs) We're less than him, right? He, the superior, is reaching down in kindness to us. I mean, that's grace. And many Bible dictionaries define grace as the unmerited favor of God. And that's true, but it's not even really the half of it. The grace of God is his favor. It's his ability. It's his support. It's his wisdom. And the list goes on and on. It is his divine help. And it's a gift. It's free. The grace of God is what we're saved by. But it's also what we have to live by day by day. Are you ready for some really good news? Because I am a good news preacher. I like to bring the good news. And the good news is you can increase in the grace of God on your life. It's something that can increase. And we need to look at just what would that increase do. I mean, you can have more of it. You can have more grace now than what you've experienced up until this point. Anything and everything worthwhile that we've been able to accomplish up to this point has been by the grace of God. And that's just a fact. Really, it's only by the grace of God that your heart keeps beating and your lungs keep breathing and you've got enough soundness of mind to to know what's going on around you. And see, with enough grace, you can do anything. You know, in Christ, all things are possible. And with enough grace, the impossible becomes possible. Now, go with me over to Genesis 6. And while you're finding that, I want you to ask yourself just how much difference has grace and favor made in your life? You know, when Liz and I were at Bible school, we went to Rainbow Bible Training College. It was called Rainbow Bible Training Center back then. And we had an instructor talking about this. It really wasn't his subject. You know, Brother Tony Cook actually taught grace to us. But this guy was talking, to, uh, he was teaching some other subject, but he was telling us about what happened to him recently. He, he said he was, he was studying grace and he wanted to know. He just wanted how much difference does grace make in my life. And so he asked the Father to, to take it off of him just for a day so that he could see what it was like without it. Well, God obliged him. He pulled the grace, I mean, he just pulled the grace off of him, and, and our instructor said he, he barely had enough sense to tie his shoes. I mean, he, he had to teach that day, and he, he said, I don't know what I taught. I, I don't think it made any sense whatsoever. And he said, thank God it was only a day, because it, it was the worst day of his life. But it makes a difference. Genesis 6, let's read verses 5 through 7. Then the Lord said that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. So the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping things and birds of the air, for I am sorry that I have made them. Wow, that's not looking good. And you know, if you look around today, it's kind of looking similar. Verse 8. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. So, how much difference did grace make in the life of Noah and his family? (laughs) I mean, pretty big difference. When everything around them was rotten to the core and judgment was coming and the whole thing was about to be wiped out, what made the difference? Grace. Grace made all the difference. Grace turned an extinction event into a survival event. Well, at least for Noah and his family. See, with enough grace, you can get through what destroys everybody else. 
This is important right now. I mean, because there's people being destroyed. There's people going, dying, going to hell right now quicker than, it ha- than it's been in the past. And see, with enough grace, you get through what destroys everybody else. We see evidence of that right here in Genesis 6. With enough grace, what takes everybody else apart at the seams will not do that to you. And if you're smart, once you're past it and people look at you and go, wow, that was amazing. How did you do that? I've never seen anybody stay so strong. I've never seen anybody be so smart. If you are really smart, you go, whoa, 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 whoa. This is God. This was not me. This was God. I couldn't think up this stuff. It was God all the way. It was his, it was his grace. And that's not you just trying to act all humble. No, that's just reality. See, if you make it through when others don't, it was grace. You received when others didn't, it's grace. So don't go bragging about how strong your faith is or, or about how hard you worked. Don't get credit to your prayer life. Don't get credit to your family name. Yeah, we Niles, we're a tough bunch. We stick and stay when nobody else. Not without the grace of God, we don't. (laughs) Amen. It's by grace, through faith, not by works, so nobody can brag about it. By faith, you tap into this God's ability, into God's grace. How much difference does grace make in your life? See, with Noah and his bunch, it made the difference between being destroyed along with everybody else and surviving. And see, that's, this is why you and I, we're not going to hell. The ark is a type and, and shadow of salvation. It's a type and shadow of the rapture of the church. And we're in the ark of Jesus today. The flood's coming. The judgment and wrath of God is coming. And people are going to be swept away into hell. And if it were based on how good you are and what you can do, nobody would make it because nobody's good enough. Nobody can do enough good to get out of this coming judgment. But by grace, we have found favor with God. Grace has allowed us to be safe in the ark of Jesus, the ark that includes the rapture, the great catching away of the church. You know, I've had some people come to me and say, well, you know, Brother Dana, that that, that rapture, that's just an escape doctrine. I said, you're right. I'm escaping right on out of here, just like Noah and his bunch. I mean, you can find type and shadow of it all through the scriptures. We're out of here. You know, and then there's some people say, well, there there might be another rapture halfway through. And I said, there might be. I don't care. I'm going on the first load. I'm not sticking around to see if there's another one halfway through. No, I'm going out on the first load. (laughs) See, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Now, go with me over to Luke chapter 1. See, grace and favor. The word favor is actually where we get our word favorite. Favorite. Favor has to do with this kindness, goodwill, this grace. You know, I used to joke around and, and say, you know, I'm God's favorite. But the more I studied this out, the more I discovered I was right. I am God's favorite. But here's the deal. I'm not the only one. Anybody can be God's favorite. <laughs> Amen. See, favorite means a person with special favor. Special favor implies more favor than others. But now, wait a minute. God's no respecter of persons. I thought he doesn't play favorites. Did you think that? See, but now grab a hold of this. Being a respecter of persons and having favorites is not the same thing. 
God is not a respecter of persons. He does not receive somebody for who they are or what they've done. He doesn't treat them differently because of who they are or what, or what they've done. He does not do that. But he does favor some more than others. He does grace some people much more than others. And he's absolutely fair and justified in doing so. Because it's not, it's not that others couldn't have it as well. No, we all can if we're willing to change some things, if we're willing to trust and obey. We too can have great grace in and on our lives. So there are those who are experiencing more of his grace and favor than others. And remember, every worthwhile thing that you've ever done has been done by his grace. But you can have more. You can have double. You can have triple. You can have quadruple. I don't know that there is a limit on it. You can have more of his grace than you've ever had up until this point in time. The grace and favor on your life can increase. Now, in Acts 4, there was great grace on them all. Well, that reveals to me that there are levels of this. Degrees of this. I mean, if there's great grace, then that implies that there's also a little bit of grace. And it implies that there's more grace. And grace is God giving you opportunity, but it's also God giving you his ability. We wouldn't even have the opportunity to get saved without the grace of God. You'd have never found out about Jesus, heaven, and hell, about salvation, or how lost you are, were, (laughs) without the grace of God. It was the grace of God that you even found any of that out. It was the grace of God that you had the opportunity in that church that day, or at that crusade, or when that person witnessed to you, or wherever you were, whatever the circumstances was when you were born again. You'd have never found salvation on your own. You'd still be fumbling around in the dark without the grace of God. But not only does he give you grace to have the opportunity, he graces you also to take you through to the new birth to get into this new life. And once you're in the new life, whatever needs to be done now, by His grace, you have the ability, you have the strength, you have the wisdom, you have everything you need to accomplish what you have the opportunity to do. Grace. By grace comes opportunity. By grace comes ability. Grace is big. Grace is huge. In fact, it's one of the biggest topics in the Bible, especially in the New Testament. Amen. And what you've ever been able to do up to this point that's worth anything has been by the grace of God. And I said all that to ask you this. How would more grace affect you? Well, let's see. Things you've struggled to do, with more grace, it would be easier. Things that you've failed to do, with enough grace, you could now do. With enough grace, you can receive anything. You know, maybe it's been a financial thing or a healing thing that's just gone on and on and on. With enough grace, you can receive it. Maybe it's been a habit. Maybe it's been an addiction. Some kind of sin that you keep falling into, you know, the same sin over and over again. With enough grace, you can get free and stay free. With enough grace, you can be the man, the woman that you know you should be. With enough grace, you can be that husband you know you should be. You can be that wife that you know you should be. Amen? You can be that father that you know you should be. You can be that mother that you know you should be. So I'm asking you, are you hungry for more grace? Do you want some of this great grace? Have you found Luke chapter 1? long time ago, probably. Luke 1, we're going to read verse 28. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice! 
highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. I want you to notice, not just favored, highly favored. Are there different degrees of favor? Well, you got favor. Then you got a little more favor. Then you got lots of favor. And then you got an angel walking in and saying, you're highly favored. That's pretty cool. See, out of all the women on earth, the one who has the honor of carrying and giving birth to the Savior is highly favored. Now, is God a respecter of persons by picking Mary to do this? No. But yet she is highly favored. Look at it again. Luke one twenty-eight. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. I like that. The Lord is with you part. That's part of the favor of God. His presence is with us. And the more this is evident, the more people will like being around you. They'll get around you and they'll, they'll be aware of the favor of God on your life. And maybe they'll be out with you somewhere and, the, and they see the favor of God open some doors for you. They will then tend to give you the credit. They may see the favor of, and grace of God get some things done. And, and then they may think, wow, you're just so smart. But if you really are smart, tell me what you'll do. If you really are smart, you'll say, hey, I couldn't think that up. This was, this was God that did this. This was the grace of God. It came from God. Listen, never take the credit. If you want to cut off the favor of God of your life, then just take the credit for it. Because it'll shut it right down. See, if it's His grace, then it's His glory. If it was His grace that caused it to happen, then who should get the credit? Well, he should. It's not our grace. It was on you, but it's his grace. See, the angel told Mary she was highly favored. Let's read Luke 1, verse 30. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now, let me ask you, what kind of difference did this make in Mary's life? Did this change her life? (laughs) You think? And it also changed all of our lives. See, I want you to think on that. The favor of God doesn't just change your life. How many other people will be affected because you were highly favored? What came through Mary by the grace of God is blessing people in the earth yet today. And what comes through you and me by the grace and favor of God is to be a blessing to others. See, every good thing God gives you is ultimately to touch somebody else with. Yeah, it blesses you on the way through. Praise God. But it's not supposed to end with you. Because it's not just about you. Now go right a page or two to Luke chapter 2. This is the way I like to look at it too. God will give it to you if he can get it through you. If he can get it through you, he'll make sure it's to you. Because <laughs> it's not just about you. Luke 2, we're going to read verse 40, at least the first part of it. And the child grew and became strong in spirit. Now, we're talking about Jesus. And see, this helps us to see that Jesus did not come to this earth with all his godly attributes. I mean, would God really need to grow and become strong in spirit? I don't think God would need that. See, Jesus did become a man like us, and he left behind his almighty power and glory. He didn't stop being the son of God, but he didn't come here with all of his godly attributes. He laid them aside. That's why he had to grow in grace and favor. Luke 2, verse 40. And the child grew and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. 
the grace of God was on him. So even as a boy, the grace of God was on him. Luke 2, verse 52. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. See, if you increase, what does that mean? It means you got more now than what you had. It's not rocket science. (laughs) He increased in what? Wisdom. He increased in stature. What's that mean? He grew up physically. But he also increased in favor with God and with men. Now go with me to 2 Peter 3. See, what I'm doing is laying a foundation for you to see some things. I really, I want to show you from several places that it is biblical, it is scriptural for you to grow in grace and favor, to, for you to have more of it tomorrow than you got today. See, grace can become greater in your life. And with greater grace in your life, more than you had just last week, I mean, how would that affect you? I mean, would it affect you on your job? I think it would. Things that were hard for you to remember, hard for you to keep track of. You were always about half a step behind. But with enough grace, you're now ahead instead of behind. Before stuff happens, I mean you're already on top of it. And somebody might even notice. And somebody might even point it out. Hey, dude, you're really on it today. You know, what's going on? You're usually half a step behind. You know, you're half a step ahead. Boy, what happened? See, here's your, here's your opportunity. If you're smart, you'll say... It's God's grace. It's God. Give him the credit. See, when you struggle, and it seems like you're in a fog, and it just seems so hard, well, that could mean you're just doing it on your own. Oh, got quiet. Let me say it again. When you struggle, and it seems like you're just in a fog, it could mean that you're just doing it on your own. No grace, or not enough grace. And see, that's what the unsaved world has every day. You wonder why they're so stupid. You wonder why they're doing the things that they're doing. You wonder. They got no grace. They, 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 they're, they're, they're just living in a fog. That's why life is just so hard for them. Without grace, it's hard. But listen, what did Jesus say? Jesus said, come to me, you that are burdened and heavy laden. And then what did he say? I'll give you rest. I'll give you relief. Well, how's he going to do that? Well, he's going to pour grace in you and on you and give you favor. And what was so hard becomes easy. Because what else did he say? He said, hey, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. And when you got God's grace, that's what you get. An easy and light burden instead of so heavy and hard. How can it be that way? Well, with his grace and favor, it's just that way. But if you struggle to do it on your own, With no grace, it's hard. See, that's why people are so tired all the time. Now, if you're doing stuff you shouldn't be doing, God's not going to grace you to be disobedient. (laughs) He's not. He's not going to give you favor to help you get out of his will. That's not going to happen. So when it comes to being hard-headed and getting out of the will of God, you're on your own with that. He's not going to help you. And see, smart people will stop doing that. And instead of, Lord, what will you let me do? Lord, what can I get away with and still make it to heaven? Huh? Instead of saying that is, Lord, what do you want me to do? What is your plan for my life? Jeez, there's grace for that. <laughs> there's not grace for the other. I know there's some teaching out there that says contrary, but they're wrong. 
<laughs> there's not grace for you to sin. There's not grace for you to, st- to do all of that. No, there's grace for you to not sin. <laughs> that's, that's what it's about. There's grace for going his plan. Now, Second Peter 3, did you find it? We're going to read verses 17 and 18. It says, You therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware lest you also fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with error, with the error of the wicked. Verse 18. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So let me ask you, can you grow in grace? Yes. Can favor be increased on your life? Yeah. Now go left with me to James 4. See, how do we qualify to receive more grace and favor? How do we qualify? Well, you know, by faith you receive grace. That's definitely the main way. But what else can we do? Well, we just saw that through obedience more will come to us. Now look at James 4. We're going to read verse 6, at least the first part of it. It says, but he gives more grace. I want you to notice it says he gives more grace. See, that's talking about increase. I like that. James 4, 6. But he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. See, the proud will take credit for everything. I worked hard. I built this from the ground up. I pulled myself up by my own bootstrap. I prayed this place into existence. (laughs) If it wasn't for the grace of God, you couldn't even spell prayer. (laughs) Now, see, we have a part to play, but we can work and sweat and burn the midnight oil and work some more and not accomplish anything that lasts. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord puts his hand on it and influences people and moves by his spirit, it's not going to get done. Anything that does get done will not last. So the proud do not get this grace. They say, look at me, I did it my way. And God says, yeah, and you got no grace. No grace for you. (laughs) In fact, they will even be resisted. That's a hard place. No grace and resistance from the Lord. There's enough resistance out there in the world. You definitely don't need the Lord resisting you too. But that's what happens when people get all puffed up, when they get all proud about something that God accomplished and they take the credit for it. James 4, 6. But he gives more grace. Therefore, he said, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Now, are you still interested in growing in grace? I'm going to give you a real easy prescription here. You're also going to need to be interested in growing in humility. But see, humility is not this phony religious stuff. It's not the stuff you see Hollywood trying to portray. Now, they ain't got a clue when it comes to humility. Absolutely no clue. And, and, and most of the religious world does not have a clue either. And see, the truth is, humility is reality. And the truth is, you need him every moment of every day. And here's a real simple definition for humility. It's laying your own way aside and going God's way. That's just the definition for it. It's depending on him and his ability. See, you can be saved and depend on him for some things, but then not depend on him for other things. You depend on him maybe when you're reading your Bible and praying. Maybe you're depending on him when you're serving in the church. 
But then you go to work and you go, oh, you know, I've been doing this for 20 years. I got this, Lord. I know how to do this. I don't need your help on this. I got this. But the, the Lord's going, man, I can show you a way that's better that will even get you a promotion. <laughs> right? He knows a better way. See, if we're going to have greater grace, then maybe those are some of the areas that we need to look at. Those things we think we already know how to do. I mean, there's grace for marriages. And, you know, and people that have been, been, been married a long time, they think they know what to do. They think they got it. You know, Liz and I have been married for 44 years. That's a long time. And, and here's what I know about it. The first five years, no grace. How come? No Jesus in our life. I mean, first five years, we didn't look like we were going to make it. In fact, people were betting on it. They ain't going to make it. <laughs> they, they ain't making it. And without God, we wouldn't have. But after we got switched on to God and His grace came into our marriage, things changed. And here's what I know. You need more grace all the time for marriage. Because marriage, you know, people say, people have asked, what's your success? You've been married for 44 years. What's your, what's your success story? A, 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 a lot of forgiveness. <laughs> and a lot of grace. <laughs> there's grace for marriage. Did you know there's grace for handling money? I mean, you can get God's ability to handle your finances, and oh, does it go a whole lot better when you got His ability, when you got His wisdom doing it. I see grace flowing to dads for them to be godly fathers. Amen. I see grace flowing to mothers for them to be godly mothers. You know, some of it's been a struggle, but with enough grace, dun, 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 super dad. And, 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 and a super dad was somebody that had a really bad father growing up. He had absolutely no example, but with enough grace, he's a super dad. And people wonder, well, how does he do it? Uh, grace. But you know, there's still people that'll say, well, I don't see how any of that can actually happen. Well, that's because you can't do it by yourself. You've already proven that. See, falling short and don't feel like it and too tired all the time. Well, you need some more grace. You know, situations on the job, you know, maybe you're convinced that your boss doesn't even like you. You know, I've had that before. Well, go ahead and think that way and see if it helps you. Worse yet, walk around saying it. <laughs> you know, occasionally some negative will still come out of my mouth. And when it does, my wife gives me one of them looks. She don't even have to say it, but I know what's coming next. I say something negative, she gives me that look and I go, oh no, here it comes. She'll then say, is that what you want? And I'll say, no, that's not what I want. Then why are you saying it? Yeah. <laughs> See, we ought to, <laughs> she's graced to do that. <laughs> because it's only her that can get away with it, you know. Grace. <laughs> we ought to be able to correct each other, especially spouses. There's grace for that. Amen. Back to the boss, though. You're convinced that your boss doesn't like you. And see, but by grace, the Lord can show you what to talk with your boss about and how to say it in such a way. And you'll see him open up to you like he's never done before. See, the Lord knows what will touch him right on the inside and cause him to see you in a whole different light. God can actually change the situation at your workplace. He can change it completely. 
Something you would have never figured out on your own and, and you won't even know why you brought the subject up and why you were using those words. But then you see your boss's reaction and then you know why. And you're going, oh, God, you're so smart. Wow, I would have never have thought of that. And the Lord said, yeah, that's why I'm here. I'm trying to help you here, son. <laughs> and how is it that you even went that way? It was the grace and favor of God that led you that way. How did you know to say what you said? How did you have the right words at just the right time and catch them in just the right frame of mind? It was the grace of God. Grace and favor in front of you, following behind you, coming in you. Grace on your thinking. Grace on your words. You know, the Bible says that our words are to be seasoned with grace. Amen. And if it's His grace, then it's His glory. So when that happens, make sure you give God the credit for it. Now go with me to John chapter 1, and we'll probably close with this. John 1. See, I'm going to be thinking about grace the rest of the day. You should be too. (laughs) It's by the grace of God that we can do things for Him. John chapter 1, this is a very familiar verse. John 1, we're going to look at verse 14. It says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. See, we see a progression with Jesus. When he was young, the Bible says the grace was on him. A few years later, it says that he was growing and increasing in grace. Here it says he's full of grace. Now, would it make a difference in your life if you had more grace? If if it just keep increasing and you get to a place where you're just full of grace in that area in your life, I mean, what a difference that would make. Aware of grace beyond anything that you've ever experienced before, it's like he's just picked you up and he's carrying you through the situation. That's full of grace. John 1, we're going to read verses 14 through 16. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory is the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness of him and cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. Look at verse 16. And of his fullness we have all received, and grace for grace. Grace, listen, there's grace to get you more grace. That's what it says. Grace for grace. Ah, man, that's starting to get exponential to me. You can get grace so that you can get more grace. And of his fullness, what is he full of? Grace and truth. Now look with me in verses 16 and 17. We're going to come back to 16. And of his fullness we have all received in grace for grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Now there's evidence of grace in the Old Testament. God has always been a gracious God, but with the coming of Jesus, it was like the windows of heaven were just thrown open, and the grace of God was poured out until there was a fullness of grace. Now, in verse 16, it says, grace for grace. Say that out loud with me. Grace for grace. I got grace so I can get more grace. Say that. I got grace so I can get more grace. <laughs> Let me read it to you out of the Young's Literal Translation. No, I probably can't find that in there. <laughs> Young's literal translation says this. Out of his fullness did we all receive and grace over against grace. Now, that gives us the picture of layered grace. 
or stacked grace. You know, I grew up on the farm. We used to stack hay. I know what it means to stack. Well, here we got stacked grace. You've got this level of grace, and then you've got another level stacked on top of it, and then another level on top of that. Let me read it to you out of the Amplified Classic. I really like this. John 1.16, Amplified Classic. For out of his fullness, abundance, we have all received, all had a share, and we were all supplied with one grace after another, and spiritual blessing upon spiritual blessing, and even favor upon favor, and gift heaped upon gift. Is this available to us? It is. Is this what we're called to? Yes, it is. Now, we've experienced some of these levels, and we're thankful. I mean, without it, you'd have have not come this far. We'd have never gotten this far. With just hard work and our own intelligence, never. But the good good news is we don't have to stay here. We can go ahead and have another one stacked on top of us. And more on top of that. And more on top of that, I don't know that there's a limit. Grace upon grace upon grace and favor upon favor upon favor, gift heaped upon gift, until what seemed out of reach before now seems easy. What was so hard and such a struggle becomes light and easy. What was impossible now becomes possible, and it's just in time for where we're at right here, right now. We are living in the end times, and if there's any time that we need more grace, we need more favor, it is right here, right now. I mean, look around you. What do you see? You see great, you see sin increasing, right? I mean, all you gotta do is flip on the TV and you go, man, I can't believe what they put on TV anymore. Uh, what, what is sin increasing? And what do we know? When sin increases, grace does yet even more increase. <laughs> Glory to God. We need more grace. We need more favor so that we have not only the opportunity to do what God calls us to do, but His ability to get it done. Whether that's right here in Barstow and surrounding communities or whether it's at the ends of the earth. We need to get the job done. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And here's what, here's what I know. Right now there is an anointing here on me and on Liz to help you get to a place of more grace. There is an anointing to help you get there to more grace. And how does that work? Well, maybe you've been struggling with some things. Maybe there's some stuff that's just been real hard for you to get to get accomplished. Maybe maybe it's an area of of, of sin in your life that you keep going, you just keep doing the same thing over and over. well. There's grace that it can set you free, and grace that can keep you free. Maybe there's a healing thing that's never been able. You've never you, you know you've, you've been struggling, struggling, struggling. It's just never happened. Well, with enough grace, it can happen. Maybe it's a financial thing. You know, you've been struggling in your finances. Well, with enough grace, you can then know how to handle your finances. With enough grace, you can tap into the prosperity that God's got for you in your life. With enough grace, you can do what God's called you to do. You know, some of you are called to actually witness to your neighbors. You're called to actually to actually lay hands on your sick neighbors and see them recover, but yet you begin... With enough grace, you'll have the courage to do it. With enough grace, the anointing will be there to make it happen. Hallelujah. And so right now, I know there's an anointing on me. 
I know there's an anointing on my wife. She's just itching to get her hands on you. I can tell by the way she's looking at me right now. She, she, she said, you just wait till afterwards. No. <laughs> no, I'm grace for that too. <laughs> but with enough grace. And so what am I offering here? I'm offering to lay hands on people that are having a struggle with some area in your life. Or you're just hungry for more grace. You've, you've tasted and you say, this grace and favor, this is good. And if you've tasted and seen that it's good, you want more? Well, come on up. We'll lay hands on you, believe God with you, and more will come on you. And what do we know? It's going to be stacked. Grace stacked upon grace, favor upon favor, gift heaped up upon gift in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org. 